0: Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the sidelines podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is going to be a full breakdown of the NCAA tournament brackets. I'm going to talk matchups to watch, players to know. And also give out my final four. Before I get to that conversation with my man Conrad Company, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines Podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. I'm also asking if you could leave a rating and a review. Those things are extremely helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that conversation with Conrad Company. It's time to go with Evan Daniels, send it in, big fella. Now I want to bring in my man Conrad Company to talk about the upcoming NCAA tournament. One of uh, the best times of the year. That 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 Thursday of games is is one of my favorite days of the year i'm sure it is for you too
1: oh man absolutely this is probably my favorite week of the year to be honest i mean you won't be able to find me
0: anywhere thursday friday saturday or sunday this is just one of those weeks for me yeah no me, me too i i until i moved to nashville i always had this tradition in lexington where i go to my breakfast spot uh winchell's shout out to winchell's uh, i went there for like 10 straight years um but i would go get calm pancakes and and watch early games and just have a blast so uh, i'm fired up for for, uh, I'm fired up for the NCAA tournament, also fired up for this podcast. we actually getting to do it in person. Live in I'm LA. Live in LA. I'm on the Fox lot right now, so uh, excited to be out here.
1: Yeah, man. And are going to let the people know at least why you're out here?
0: Yeah, so I'm uh, Wednesday uh, morning. I'm going to jump on uh, Colin Cowherd's show and then um, speak for yourself as well. So I'm, I'm pumped about uh, jumping on those shows on Wednesday to talk a little college hoops big time man you gotta be tired after last week madison square garden now you're showing up at the fox lot in la and you're doing live hits on the herd come on man it's uh it's been a it's been a fun uh it's been a fun past week and a half had a, a lot going on obviously at the biggies tournament keon brooks's announcement would it be safe uh,
1: to say you're living the dream
0: yeah yeah yeah. this is <laughs> this type of stuff that i, I uh i wanted to do 10 year old was... 10 year old evan daniels man what do you yeah. think you would say about this yes yeah, so it's it's actually crazy like the um you know, being in Madison Square Gardens was kind of like surreal. You know, I used to, when I was like eight, nine years old, I would play basketball video games and I would narrate them into a, a like a voice recorder. Yeah. Like, I was so like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to, I'm getting to do exactly what I want to do. So I'm very thankful and blessed for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's give the people what they want a little bit. Now, uh, how do you think the committee did in this year's seating process? You know what? I
0: thought they did a, a pretty solid job. You know, there was some debate, you know, who should be, Um, Who should be the number one overall seed? Uh, I thought it should be Duke. um, But there was obviously a a pretty heavy Virginia contingent uh, because of where they stood numerically. And obviously, they've had a tremendous season. But my thought process on this is Duke at full strength has only lost one game. Their resume compared to Virginia very close. Yeah, As close as it was, Duke beat Virginia twice. And once without Trey Jones. Once without Trey Jones. So... If resumes are that close and we're going back and forth and Duke wins the ACC tournament, I think it makes sense for Duke to be the number one overall seed.
1: No, I, I agree completely. Now, do you believe that there is an ACC bias, though, with the ACC now having three of the top four number one
0: seeds? Well, honestly, I thought the ACC deserved that respect. You know, I know that the Big Ten is tremendous and probably maybe top to bottom the Big Ten might be the best conference in america but if your conference as a whole with the upside and teams at the top the acc for me yeah uh, i agree i thought all three of those teams deserved number one seeds um you know especially with the way things came in the end like you know virginia's just had some very dominant dominant moments uh, throughout this season uh, north carolina i think honestly the beginning we talked about this on the podcast before i think with raf last week like i wasn't on north carolina train at the beginning of the season
1: yeah and I mean, now choo choo well I'm, I'm saying right now could you imagine north carolina being a one seed in this year's tournament without nazir little being the player that you
0: thought that he was going to be no way no, no. And, and, you know, credit to Kobe White. That dude has just wow. gotten so much better. Um, so, yeah, I thought the ACC deserved the 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 three number one seeds. The area that, like, I, I think um, a lot of people, and I saw on social media, a lot of people talking about was Michigan State, Gonzaga. And I actually kind of see it both sides. Like, I'm totally cool with Gonzaga being a one seed. Yeah. Um, but also, like, you know, Michigan State – they won their conference they mm-hmm. they won their conference tournament uh they they finished uh winning 10 of 11. their quad one wins compared to Gonzaga um were 12 and 4 was Michigan State and Gonzaga was 4 and 3 in the quad one now Gonzaga didn't lose any quad two three or four games where Michigan State lost two quad two games um and I think you know if, if you're Gonzag if you're if you think Gonzaga should be the one you're saying well Michigan State lost to Indiana twice. Yeah, um, So I, I, overall, you know, very small gripes for me. You know, I thought Villanova maybe deserved to be a little higher. They win the Big East Conference. They win the Big Ten Tournament. They get hit with a six. Um, obviously, Marquette's in the same league, and they get a five. But it, it's all small stuff. I thought overall, like even down to like the, uh, the teams at the bottom, I thought they did a good job.
1: Yeah, see, now, I, I think there is a little bit of a recency bias when it comes to them doing the seeding. Five years ago, we could have never imagined a team like Gonzaga being from the West Coast Conference, being a number one seed at the NCAA tournament. Five years ago, Villanova's probably not a one seed consistently. And now Michigan State, and this goes apart recency bias too, the Big Ten hasn't won a national championship in going on 18 years right. since 2000. Uh, 18 years, actually, 19 years. And I think that has a part to do with it as well.
0: I I I find it hard to believe that the committee like really takes that into account. Like I feel like it's a new year, new slate.
1: Oh New Year New Me, huh? You think yeah, that's new, how the committee thinks? New, I don't know, man.
0: I'm not I'm not a New Year New <laughs> Me guy, but maybe it improved me.
1: <laughs> no, well see and, and, and I, I look at it too like I think Nevada got snubbed. Nevada was a top ten team all season and you know, I thought in their conference tournament they were looking ahead to Utah State after they got in that altercation at the end of the game mm-hmm. where fans are rushing the court and I think they were fired up they were looking ahead people forget San Diego State upset Nevada a couple weeks right. beforehand beat him again the conference tournament and for them to get a 7 seed
0: yeah i i hear you i think like if you're on the other side of it you're you're saying you know they lost three of their last eight yeah they have two quad 3 losses and a quad Two loss. Their net is 23. Uh, you know, the net and how it factored into this, I'm still a little confused, honestly, because you could go through the net and, and like, I- NC State had a pretty high net, and they didn't make the turn. They were 33. Yeah. Net. But they also and,
1: scored, what, 24 points and, in a
0: basketball game? Right. <laughs> but, like, for example, Belmont's 47. So, like, there's just, you know, I don't know how much they're actually taking the net into account. And don't get me wrong, I thought Belmont deserved to be in the field. I'm just more or less curious on on how much that really factored in. Were there any teams you thought got snubbed?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say so much as being actually snubbed. I mean, I don't think that the Pac-12 deserved to have two teams in the tournament, and I think that a well, lot of people would agree with me. Exactly. I don't think Oregon well, makes it.
0: Well, you know, Arizona State would have made it.
1: Yeah, well, they're, they're in a playing game, though, too, as well. Right. You know, so, I mean, they still have to play a game and to get in. And, uh, I mean, the Pac-12 this year was just – it was a complete anomaly of just – they were not a good conference at all. I don't think Oregon technically should have made it. Washington was starting to falter down the stretch. Mm, but that's part of the deal. You win your conference tournament you get in. Nope, that is. That's how you punch a ticket. That's for sure.
0: I, I, there were, like, a couple other, you know, smaller conference teams, especially from the SoCon I would have liked to see in the dance. I don't know who you take out necessarily. Um you know, I thought UNC Greensboro and Furman from the SoCon Lipscomb, they had you know a pretty strong cases. Lipscomb lost to Belmont twice, so that's why Belmont uh, gets in over them. You know, I was talking to Wes Miller earlier in the week, the UNC Greensboro coach, and he, you know he said to me, "We didn't have one loss outside of a quad one," and you know they, they've only lost to four teams this year: LSU, Kentucky. Uh, Furman all on the road and then Wofford who we know is, is very good. They wa- lost to Wofford three times including in the conference tournament and truthfully if you end that game with five minutes left, they're going to the tournament and SoCon gets two in because Wofford probably gets at large bid. But all that said, I thought the committee did a pretty good job. You know, I, this is a group that that probably gets quite a bit of hassle and and hate in their in their day. I thought oh, I I'm thought sure. they deserved some respect for this. I thought they did a good job.
1: Yeah, and overall, I think they did a good job as well. But uh, let's move on a little bit to uh, let's look at some matchups. All right, so. Let's. How about let's go one for one. You give me your favorite matchup, and I'll give you mine back. I know you have a couple of them. Let's. Uh, let's start with our top three matchups to watch.
0: Yeah, it, it has to start with John Morant and Marcus Howard. I think when the bracket came out, that's the one that like jumped to my mind as soon as I saw it. Like, you know, we've got the best point guard prospect uh, in college basketball, and John Morant. Um, the size, the length, the athleticism, the the feel, the vision, the passing, the creativity against. Uh, a guy you could make a case as the best point guard in college basketball. The best
1: scoring point guard, for yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: for sure. And, and there's some other guys you could throw in there, like Cassius Winston. I don't, I don't want to th- leave him out, but... Marcus Howard's ability to score. Um, he's also really good with the live dribble and creating shot opportunities. He can really shoot. Um, this, this point guard matchup is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And they're obviously very different. Like, John Morant is, has got good size and length and athleticism, where Marcus Howard beats you with his skill and his long range shooting and his, his toughness. Like, these are two different makeup of point guards, and two of arguably the best ones in college basketball. So, I'm fired up for that matchup. Uh, that's that's a matchup I would pay to go watch.
1: Okay. Well, the first one I've been looking at, and this is, this instantly stood out to me because I have been looking at Wofford as someone that I think could make a little run in the tournament. Call him a sleeper. Call him whatever you want. But my matchup would be Fletcher McGee. Against Miles Powell, which is Wofford against Seton Hall. McGee is 6'4, 200 pounds, combo guard. Powell, 6'2, 195. Powell can fill up a box score. I mean, he can he can score points and he can score them in bunches. Both of them are averaging 20 points a game. They both can create their own shots and knock down deep three balls. I mean, I think McGee shot, I think it was something over like 300 and something threes this year. I mean, he he puts them up.
0: He's hit 148 threes this year. Yeah,
1: he he, he shoots a lot of them, and Add you'll you'll see 44% that
0: 44 percent clip.
1: And that's what I'm saying. And down the stretch in this game, both of them are going to be their go-to guys. Yep. So that's that's my matchup that I'm looking really forward to in the first round.
0: How was awesome in the biggest tournament too. Yeah, he gets buckets. Yep. No, he's he's a uh, he's a bucket as the kids say. <laughs> uh, my uh, my third matchup um, that I'm looking forward to isn't a player matchup. It's a uh, Um, Nate Oates at Buffalo versus what I think will be Bobby Hurley in Arizona State. Now, Arizona State's got to get through the playing game when they play St. John's, but keep in mind that Nate Oates coached under Bobby Hurley at Buffalo. Bobby Hurley goes to Arizona State. Nate Oates takes over at Buffalo Buffalo has been tremendous this season CJ Massenburg uh, just a loaded team Jeremy Harris uh, so it's a uh, a mentor situation Uh, Bobby Hurley Nate Oates and I think that's that would be a a really fun game two fun basketball teams to watch fast paced a lot of scoring Um, now obviously Arizona State's got to get through the first four but I think that, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting is like the storylines that come out in the inside of the tournament. They say they don't pay attention to storylines, but like this is kind of a unique one.
1: Let's move on to a couple, like three guys you need to know for the tournament. We talked about some of the players, but those are like more big name players that you would know, obviously, the John Morants, the Marcus yeah. Howards. Now, give me three guys going into the tournament. If I haven't watched college basketball this year, mm-hmm. three guys to watch in the opening round.
0: Well, we got to, I'm going to stick with John Morant. Like, I think yeah. that's an obvious one. Uh, I think he's got a chance to be the number two pick the draft which we're going to get into here in a little bit Um, just a dynamic point guard if you if you watch um, you know highlight shows or you know college basketball from a periphery you've probably seen like John Morant dunking but which is probably everything that everyone's seen on the internet right but like John Morant is way more than a dunker oh yeah it's it's his like vision and his creativity with the ball and his ability to distribute with both hands um his upside like there's there's a lot to him and he impacts the game in so many ways Uh, I think uh, obviously he's at Murray State like I I think he's an awesome player um I also think that he's going against a a tough team in Marquette so I I don't know that they win that game Uh, I'm actually picking Marquette but like that's must-see TV you need to go watch John Morant if you haven't seen him play
1: no, I got you. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. And that game is going to be a tremendous game as well. I mean, Murray State, probably better than a 12 seed. I mean, if you look at some of the other 12 seeds, they're probably one of the better highly-seeded teams. Uh but yeah, give me your next guy to
0: know. Yeah, my next guy is Justin Robinson. And mm-hmm. he's probably fairly well known. He's had a really good season in the ACC. But he did get hurt uh, in late January and didn't play for Virginia Tech in February or March. He's going to come back to the NCAA tournament. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the entire country. I've actually talked about him on this podcast before. Averaging nearly 14 points a game, over five assists, shooting at a 41% clip. With him on the court. You can make a case that Virginia Tech's backcourt of him uh, and uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker uh, are as good of a perimeter as there is in the country. And he wasn't around when Virginia Tech beat Duke either. He was not. He was not. And I, I think Justin Robinson is just so creative with the basketball. He's a tremendous passer. can obviously score it. Uh, but he's kind of the straw that, that stirs that drink.
1: No, I would agree with that. And then you got one more guy for me.
0: Yeah, the other guy we actually kind of touched on. Already, and that's Fletcher McGee. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, you know the Wofford train is rolling right now. It is, and Fletcher McGee is the conductor on said train. And well, him and Storm Murphy, yeah, Storm—the
1: <laughs> best name backcourt and all of that—is a
0: tremendous name. Storm Murphy. I wish my name was Storm. <laughs> um, just playing, but twenty points a game, nearly forty-four percent from three, hit one hundred and forty-eight three-pointers this season, one hundred and fifty-one three-pointers last season. Think about that. In two seasons, oh, he's going to go over three hundred. Yeah, you know, with this game, surely he hits a couple. I'm sure. So, uh, I think those are three names to kind of pay attention to as we head into the NCAA tournament.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, now let's let's move on to teams. Now you have a sleeper. I have a couple sleepers. I'll let you go off first.
0: Yeah. So, I I, I like this Belmont team that Rick Bird has, and they're playing in the first four. Uh, So they're going to have to get out of the first four, and Rick Bird has actually never won an NCAA game. He's 0-7 in the NCAA tournament. Sounds like a great sleeper, Evan. Yeah, so (laughs) I actually think they could win multiple games in the NCAA tournament. How far are they going? I put them in my Sweet 16. Now, LSU could overwhelm them athletically, but LSU also has a tough matchup uh, against Yale, and I actually loved LSU until they lost their coach. You know, Will Wade's not on the sidelines. Uh, I think you take your head coach off a team. There's a a big difference. Well, this late in the season, too. Now, LSU could overwhelm them with athleticism. You know, guys like Emmett Williams, who's a pogo stick. Nas Reed. um, You know, Belmont's going to have trouble matching up with them from a size standpoint. But what I love about Belmont... And I think a lot of people, if you follow college basketball on the periphery, know of Dylan Windler. He's got a chance to be a second round pick in the NBA draft. He's six foot seven. He can really shoot the basketball. He's a southpaw, shoots it at above a forty percent clip from three. And he's a tremendous rebounder for a wing. Tremendous rebounder. And he's actually another guy that I would say like you need to watch in the NCAA tournament. But they're not just Dylan Windler. They're they've got a really good passing big man. Uh, they've got two guards that I think are are very good they've got a senior in Kevin McClain that's fast and athletic that can really drive it he'll guard he gets out in transition and then they have a freshman point guard named Grayson Murphy uh, that's averaging over six assists a game a really good passer distributor kind of Uh, Runs the show. Uh, So I like the Belmont team. I think think they've got a chance to win a game or two. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While their brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus... There is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike, view easy to understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you can never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of The Sidelines a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at sidelines.robinhood.com. That's dot srobinhoodcom
1: no, they're, they're a great team to like, and I'm I'm going to stick along the same line. I love this Wofford team. Wofford is 29-4. They had, they played a really hard schedule at the start of the year. They lost at Kansas. Uh, they played a lot of really good competition, and this is what really makes me like them a lot. They're 18-0 in their conference, no losses in the conference, and they finished the season on a 20-game win streak. And we already mentioned it. They have a legit score in McGee. Storm Murphy is the one that serves a drink on that team, and I honestly think Wofford could end up being a Sweet 16
0: on my end. Well, they have certainly have the offensive firepower. I, I think their first matchup is tough, though. Yeah, like Seton Hall, like you were talking about Miles Powell. If that dude gets rolling, it's tough. With Seton Hall, I just never know what I'm going to get,
1: though. I don't know if they're going to come out and they're going to roll people, or if they're right. just going to, or if they're going to crumble down the stretch.
0: They've been a little inconsistent. I actually think Kevin Willard has done a tremendous job with that team, though. They beat Kentucky earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, they and you're right; they've been a tad up and down. Um, but who knows? Now, I will say this. I don't think either of those teams are getting past Kentucky.
1: Well, I mean, getting past Kentucky is also a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. So, But no, no. I, at the same time, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Then I have another one for you. Even though before the podcast, Evan told me that they're not really a sleeper. <laughs> but give me Cincinnati. I know I know Cincinnati is 28-6 this year. They have a legit player in Deron Cumberland, uh, averaging almost 19 points a game. He's very clutch. And basically, Cincinnati is playing their first two games at home. If they can get out of the first round. They're playing in Columbus, yep. which, which is about 90 minutes north of Cincinnati. That's going to be a home game. And they would they would have, I'm assuming, Tennessee in the second round. Cincinnati could make a legitimate run
0: that's in good. Columbus. If, if Cincinnati and Tennessee play, that's going to be a dogfight. Yeah. The thing you know, always know about Cincinnati is they bring toughness and physicality. Oh, Mick, yeah. Mick Cronin, he coaches tough kids. And... Uh, you know they they played Houston three times this year and got beat the first two. He was pissed off after the second one and called his whole team out. So like, I got is he never my, pissed my off? Guys gotta, my guys got a, You know what? I I I like I like Mick Cronin. I I think no, he can, yeah, he's he's a great coach. I think he can really coach. And you know they beat Houston, who I think is a very good team, uh, by a dozen in the AAC conference tournament. They won their last three games They beat SMU, Wichita State, and Houston. And they've got a dynamic score in Jaron Cumberland and some some guards that can go like Kane Broom and and Justin Jennifer Um, so I you know I'm on board I think Cincinnati is is a really good team I I hear you and like I said for me it's you get two home games how how, how often do you get two home games no question number two in the country in uh in steals and number four in offensive rebounding percentage
1: all right, now we're going to move on a little bit from the from the smaller schools or so much the sleepers. We can't well, call Cincinnati a smaller right, school. Well. I can't let that pass. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to your Final Four teams. I know that they've changed a couple times throughout the year, obviously, with, I think, Kansas losing a couple really good players. I know you had them in your preseason, but with the loss of Vic and then them also losing uh, Azebuki. Yeah, yeah, Vic and Azebuki, losing both of them. You can't lose them and still be expected to be a Final Four team. Who's your
0: updated Final Four teams now that you've seen the bracket? Yeah, my updated Final Four, out of the East, uh, I'm going with Duke, knocking off Michigan State uh, in what I think would be a tremendous game in the Elite Eight. I think Michigan State's headed in the right direction despite um, the injuries they've had throughout the year. I think Tom Izzo's done a tremendous job. I just think Duke is that good. I think Duke is the best team in the country. I think they have the most talent in the country. I think they have the most upside in the country. Therefore, I think they're going to make the Final Four. Uh, Coming out of the South, I've got Virginia over Villanova in my Elite Eight. Uh, I think Villanova made some strides the past couple weeks. And from talking to Jay Wright uh, this past Tuesday and then again on Thursday, uh, one of the things that he brought up to me was if we're going to reach our full potential and make like a postseason run, I need somebody else other than Eric Paschal and Phil Booth to step up. And he said, it basically has to be Colin Gillespie or Jermaine Samuels. Well, they both did that in the Big East tournament. Jermaine Samuels had some really nice moments in the Big East tournament. Colin Gillespie stepped up at times in the Big East tournament. And another guy, Sadiq Bey, the freshman, he had a really good championship game. In each of those games in the Big East tournament, somebody for Villanova stepped up. I know I just went off on a tangent, Mm -hmm. but... So I got Villanova in the Elite Eight against Virginia, and then I've got Virginia going to the Final Four. I think okay. this is a different Virginia team than last year. Uh, I don't think it's a team that gets beat by a, a, a 16 seed. Yeah, I think that they're motivated. Actually, I was on Twitter. Uh, this was a day or two before the brackets came came out, and Kyle Guy retweeted something about UMBC beating Virginia, and like you can just tell that they're using that as motivation. Oh yeah, they. You remember DeAndre Hunter didn't play. Mm-hmm. They got him back. Top five to ten pick. Yep. Can defend your best player. He's athletic. He can shoot. They've got offensive firepower and Kyle Guy and, and Ty Jerome. They've got a pogo stick down low and um, Mamadi Diakite, De, and um, you know Jay Huff coming off the bench like Braxton Key. Salt's a pretty good post defender. Yeah, I'm 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 on the Virginia train. I, I think that they make it to the Final Four um, in the Midwest. Best game of the tournament. Kentucky, North Carolina in the Elite Eight. I've got Kentucky moving on to the Final Four. But I, I, a North Carolina-Kentucky Elite Eight would be a lot of fun to watch. And I mentioned it earlier. Like I think Carolina is rolling right now. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them beat Kentucky. I just think... I am it kind of hurts me that those two are in the same region because I think those were like maybe outside of Duke who I've been pretty adamant about how much I like like I, I think those are yeah. the two teams for me like I would have almost said like give me Duke, Kentucky and Carolina you can have the field. So anyways, I've got Kentucky knocking off North Carolina in the lead 8 but man that that would be a tremendous game. And then the West, which is probably where I'm maybe the most confused. Uh, I've got Gonzaga Knocking off Marquette in the Sweet 16, and Texas Tech knocking off Michigan in the Sweet 16. So Gonzaga and Texas Tech playing in the West Regional, and Texas Tech moving on. Uh, really impressed with Chris Beard and impressed with them from a defensive standpoint. Uh, they're the, per Ken Palm, number one defensive team in the country. Uh, they're number two uh Effective field goal percentage defense, 42.8. They turn guys over, 11th in the country. They hold teams uh, uh, to record lows shooting the three. They hold teams to 30% shooting three. Uh, I could go down the list. Their defensive numbers are absurd. And? They're the 61st best three point shooting team in the country. Uh, they've also got a lottery pick, which I think is pretty good. Nah, you were you going know where I was that. going, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where you were going. Um, Jerry Culver is awesome. Uh, the grad transfer, Matt Mooney can play. So can Mr. Francis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I like Texas Tech. So, are we, am I giving my champion, or are we like, you want to go first and then we'll come back to the final four? Well,
1: I'll, I'll go quick because, okay. I mean, Duke, obviously, I think is. By, by far the favorite to make it to the final four if not win the championship uh, talking about the north carolina kentucky game i have north carolina winning that game and i think kobe white is going to be a huge reason why he's really been coming on late and he has been actually i this this might sound weird all right i always figure i always thought he was 5 10 the way he looked when i was watching him <laughs> play i did not realize that he was 6 5 he has legitimate nba
0: size and he is just he's he's a blur he gets around people and he finishes so fast yeah. You're going to be fastest in a Carolina uniform since Ty Lawson. I don't know. I, yeah, he's got to be.
1: Yeah, well, Ty Lawson was – I mean, talking about speed. My goodness. That guy was just up and down the floor. The thing,
0: not to go on a total tangent, but, like, Kobe White's development this year is, like, I think he's, like, knocking on the door of lottery. Now, I don't think he's a pure point guard. I think yeah. he's more of a combo, but honestly, if you look at the NBA, most of these dudes are combos.
1: Well, and can you imagine if Nazir Little would have stepped up and been the player that they thought that they were getting as well? I mean, this North Carolina team would be loaded. And then my final team, and we both agree on Texas Tech somehow, which probably means they're going
0: to lose in the first couple rounds. <laughs> <laughs> you, dude, you never know in these deals. Like My my bracket's going to be up in flames on Friday night.
1: Oh, I, it, everybody's usually is, so it's okay. You're not in the boat alone. Uh, but, yeah, give me your champion, and I already know mine. I'm, I'm yeah, assuming so the same as yours.
0: I've got Duke and Texas Tech on one side, Virginia and Kentucky on the other, and I've got uh, the season ending the way the season started. Duke versus Kentucky. Uh, I've got Duke winning, but – Kentucky is an entirely different team than they were when they started the season and I think it's going to be a really close game and I've got Duke winning. Uh, but I do want to say like the development of Kentucky's team much like North Carolina's has been pretty impressive, like progressively getting better. Their point guard play has really improved with Ashton Hagans running the show, not only from a distribution standpoint but really disrupts things defensively. Tyler Hero keeps getting better. Kelden Johnson's made plays and PJ Washington has been a first team All American the last half of the season. So I like Kentucky against Duke. I you know Duke, we've talked about it. If they're healthy, I think they're the best team. We'll see what happens with Marquis Bolden. I talked to a source close to the program and still not for sure yet when he's coming back. Yeah. I can't imagine he doesn't But I think that, obviously, the most, uh, you know, the big thing for them is Zion's back because he changes things for them every facet of the game. Let's talk about that real quick. Now, Zion was out, they lost three games in a row, and then he comes back.
1: Have you seen another player like him that has this impact on already a very talented team? My gosh,
0: I don't, I, I was trying to think about this yesterday. I was actually talking to a bunch of my buddies about it. Like, who is he the most dominant player since? And I came up with Anthony Davis, you know, numbers and how they impact the game are are a little different. Yeah, but gosh, like it is so dominant. And and I asked one of the coaches at Duke uh, about, you know, what what is it about him that changes things for them defensively? Because they told me like defensively is where it's really a big deal. And yeah. obviously, he's a rim protector and a and a dynamic rebounder. But like when he's in the game. Defensively they are just different. He
1: has he, he has such good anticipation. I mean, like I know we don't compare people on this podcast. Right. But he has that LeBron level anticipation when like he's playing lanes and when people know he's behind him for swatting shots right that's the only other player i've seen that where people are like all right and then as soon as he he breaks on the go on the go yep. no one is going to get close to him yep. ever
0: now and I, I just looked up anthony davis's stats so he averaged 14 a game with a little over 10 rebounds and blocks were four and 4.7 so <laughs> obviously those are tremendous numbers situations are different at yeah. duke like they're you know when, Zion, when they're fully healthy they're playing six seven dudes he never gets off the court and they're just they're just different but I I was just trying to come up with you know who is he the most dominant since and I think that's it but just the also in the AC tournament against Florida State transition yeah silly that pass he made you know I I tweeted out about you know that ridiculous left-handed pass and everybody's tweeting at me oh well he's he's left-handed he's left-handed well of course I know he's (laughs) left-handed but it doesn't it doesn't make the pass any less impressive yeah um Man, he's. I didn't see this coming in this way. Like, I knew he was good. I had no idea he was this good. And he is just a joy to watch,
1: too. Well, I mean, even until a month and a half ago, me and you both were still on the RJ Barrett for number one overall pick. And I, it's just, it's very rare, if not extremely, extremely rare, to find a kid that. When you're watching him play, he doesn't always have the ball in his hands, yet he's the go-to guy to, to get a bucket for you if you need I mean, R.J. Barrett is such a scorer, too. I think that he's kind of got left in the dust in this a little bit just because I mean, he's still going to be a top-three pick. Right. And R.J. Barrett is so good, but when you watch Zion, I mean, he's out here going 14 for 14 with 14 rebounds. I mean, 29 points, 14 rebounds, a couple steals, a couple blocks. I mean, he really is miraculous. Yep. No, he's 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 been awesome. And now, speaking of R.J. Barrett— Do you think there's any chance that John Moran, if he he has a good tournament, can end up passing R.J. Barrett for the number two overall pick? I actually think he might
0: have. Yeah. Already. Really? It's close. Um, And you know that I really like R.J. Barrett. Um, I think I'm disappointed with his three-point shooting a little. You know, at the beginning of the season, I thought, he had made some positive steps, and mm-hmm. it's just been kind of a slow decline from a shooting standpoint. I don't know how worried I am about that yet, though, because I know he's an elite worker, and I know in the off he's going to spend a lot of time on it. And I think he'll he'll be a respectable shooter. All that said, I think it's really just more how impressed I've been with John Morant. Yeah, he's been balling, and yeah, he yeah that's the best way to put it. And he impacts the game on on all fronts. I do think like he's going to have to learn to stay more engaged defensively. And obviously, he's going to have to get stronger, and that'll come. But, like, the attributes there with his court vision, his ability to see the game, coming off ball screens, the way he passes, what he sees. Like, he sees stuff that his teammates don't see. Like, he'll pass it, and the teammates, oh, that's for me? <laughs> it, it's just... And, and then when you couple, like, the size, the length, and the, you know, the plus 43-inch vertical, like, wow. Yeah. So... As of today, I would go Zion 1, John Morant 2, R.J. Barrett 3. Yeah, well, and then, this, and then it gets jumbled.
1: Well, this this is a little bit of an NBA question, too. I mean, I couldn't imagine what John Morant would look like in the Suns jersey playing next to Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Right. I mean, that's unreal as far as like just talent goes and what potential could be. Do you think, I mean, with the Cavaliers being up there in the top three picks as well, same with the Knicks, could Colin Sexton move over and be a 2 and play next to John Morant? Or they both need the ball in their hands too much? Uh,
0: I don't know. I mean, you could make it work, but they're both at best with the ball in their hands.
1: All right. And last but not least, let's finish out with uh, what player in the tournament has the most to gain from a strong NCAA tournament? Who can really dive up those draft boards if they can produce in this tournament? So I have two. All right. I'm going to start with Tyler Hero. You think think he's going
0: pro this year? Gone. 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 I will be shocked if he's back at Kentucky next year. Huh. I think he's gone. He has progressively gotten better this year. You know what bothers me? Hit me with it. Everyone that just assumed he's a catch and shoot guy. He's really caught the dribble, but he. But he, I.
1: I, I understand. I
0: understand it. You. Know, you know why? I, I. of course I know why. But he's a scorer. Yeah, he is. Now, can he shoot? Yes. He's much more of a scorer than like I would never label him as a shooter. He can create and, his own shot very easily. Yeah, he's he's really good. Like, when Kentucky runs what they call two-circle, and him him being able to use the dribble to get in the lane and drop in floaters, his touch shots, he can pull up. I think he shoots it really well on the move. That honestly has surprised me the most about his game, is that
1: how fluent he is once he gets in the paint. Because yep. you look at him, I know he's 6'5", but physically he's not very
0: big. I love his cocky, like, swagger. I don't, oh, it's yeah. It's not arrogance. No, he has the juice. It's, yeah. The For ju- sure. The juice. Maybe that's the way to put it. The swag. Like, I, I love it. Um, So, yeah, I think he's coming out. But that's besides the point. I think that with a good tournament, he can continue to move up. And maybe he goes in the top 20 range in some capacity. Uh, I just think when you're 6'5 and can shoot the ball the way you can, you're skilled the way you can, you have kind of a little something extra to you. And the truth is, is like I think he's going to be a better shooter than he is now. Like He started off pretty cold. And he's like slowly built his way up from a three-point line. You know, he's he's up to about thirty-seven percent. He's hit fifty-seven threes, uh, but he he was a little cold coming out of the gate. I think it was just his confidence. I think that he
1: he was finally coming from Wisconsin. He was the he was the big fish in the small pond, and then he went from being the small fish in the big pond, and he found out, you know what? I can hoop with these guys. Give me with the big dogs, well,
0: and I'm going to get buckets. Here's the thing about him, though. He's you might you're probably right because of how Kentucky started the season, you know, getting smacked like that. Like that's if if you're one of those freshmen, you're like, holy crap, 18 just, years old, man, what just happened? But confidence never something I've really worried about, Tyler. But yeah. probably those first couple games, maybe it hurt him a little. And and once he like had a game where he was making shots, like he got it rolling um the other guy that i think could really help them in the NCAA tournaments we've heard we've seen this story before is trey jones and obviously yeah. his brother tyus the reason you know he he went pro was because he helped lead that duke team to a national championship and, and was tremendous along the way i've said this a couple times zion is duke's best player I think Trey could be their most important, like when they're healthy, when mm-hmm. everybody's playing, just because of his ability to facilitate and then his ability to really disrupt the opposition from a defensive standpoint. His
1: on-ball defense is on
0: point. Yeah. You, you know, him and Ashton Hagans are two of the best on-ball defenders in the country and they're freshmen. Um but I think Trey could really help himself. Like I think he's probably right on that line of being maybe a top twenty pick. You know, he 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 had like coming down the stretch, he had a little struggles. But I think their team in general, just Zion not there, Trey's just so much better when Zion's there, obviously. Um, but a little over nine points, over five assists a game. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over and he really defends. So uh, I, I think that Tyler Hero and Trey Jones with good NCAA tournaments and I think it's two teams obviously that I think are going to go pretty far so they'll be playing could really help themselves
1: yeah now let me know how you feel about this now Jarek Culver big 12 player of the year I think he's really made strides as far as progression goes but I've seen him it's so weird because I've seen him as a top five pick and I've seen him as like a mid-20s pick now, well, I think at this point, the mid-20 stuff is done with. He's going to be a top-15, top-10 pick. I mean, he averaged 18.5, 6.3 rebounds, almost four assists a game, shooting 59%. I think his three-point game needs a little bit of work. I mean, he only shot 32% this year.
0: He was 38 last year.
1: Yeah, and that's I, I guess that's what I mean, is that he's regressed a little bit in the three-point shooting, but I yeah. also believe it's because he's been getting more volume.
0: Mm-hmm. He's got to take tougher shots too.
1: You do see him going in the top five, top ten.
0: I think he's in the top ten probably right now. He's in that range. I'm I'm with you. The top twenty five stuff is probably done. I will say like this draft is weird, and it's also bad, which we've discussed on here before. But I think outside of like your top tier, that everything is really jumbled. Like I think everybody's like I think the the scouting the the NBA scouting offices are going to be different. Team by team, like drastically different than maybe we've seen in the past. But to answer your question, big fan of Jared Culver. Consistently gotten better. You know, I remember him from when he was a senior in high school, and he was kind of this like late bloomer, long, wiry body, lean. Uh, you could, he could score it, but he didn't shoot it great, um, and had athletic ability. And then he went to Texas Tech. His first year, he outperforms what anybody thought. Could happen. And then he's been really good this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, offensively, I mean, he seems to be playing really well. But we go back to Texas Tech and that crispier defense. I mean, you learn to play defense in that system. And you learn to play it very technically sound. And mm-hmm. I think when you get to the NBA level, to be able to guard probably he can probably guard what one through three i'm assuming yeah and uh I, th- I think that'll end up being very good for him so hopefully he can get up there in that top 10
0: yeah no i'm i'm, I'm, I'm on board with jared culver i like it dude this has been fun
1: yeah man i always love having you out in la man
0: I'm, I'm glad we got to do this in person and i'm fired up for the NCAA tournament i'm actually going to vegas for the of for course the, you are, man. You live you live the dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I'm going out there with four buddies and uh we're gonna watch ball for four days and, and eat steak for four days. <laughs> we'll enjoy it, man. Yeah, I will. Dude, thanks for uh thanks for jumping off. This is Armisable. Michigan State
1: is headed to the final four, and you can leave it to Cleves And He's
0: running out onto the floor. He has reinstated the, the magic at Michigan State. are listening to the sidelines with Evan Daniels that was Conrad Company. Enjoyed that discussion. Uh, Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you're subscribed and supporting the Sidelines Podcast. The best way to do that is to go to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. I'm also asking that you would leave a rating and a review. Would love five stars, but uh, just give me your honest feedback and opinion. I would also love to know what you think. You can uh, hit me on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week. (laughs)